You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Black tie duck event. <laughs> That's going to be fantastic. Oh, well, can I just say, uh, what a wonderful way to start the service. Yes. Thank you to all SK volunteers who've made uh, our kids' discipleship really happen and such a vibrant community we get to see. Well, I am uh, pleased to be sharing the message with you today. If you haven't met me yet, or you're not familiar with who I am, my name is David. I am the Kids and Youth Director, and this is actually going to be my second sermon here in front of the community, and I'm very excited to share with you all today. To start with, I want to tell you a story. When I was younger, uh, fresh out of high school, I went to Hong Kong to do a discipleship program. And so the location that I chose to study in uh, for these three months of studying and then three months of traveling for evangelism purpose and all that, I got to study in a beautiful old village in Hong Kong. And this village was located right near the border of China. And apparently, there was a the mountain that you could climb at, behind the base was actually um, had a view of China. So I never found out what part of China or how accurate it really was. But I tell you, it was a wonderful, fantastic view. And so, when we were trying to do homework or just trying to have a space to think, we would go. Some of us would go together. Sometimes we'd go by ourselves. And I would climb this mountain multiple times throughout my three months of study. And I climbed all the way up. And it took about an hour or so to get to the top. And uh, I tell you, Hong Kong weather, I was so happy. Uh, it was actually the coldest uh, winter. Uh, it was January. And I'm like, I lived in Hong Kong as a child. It was hot. When did Hong Kong become cold? But I was very glad because it was a long hike. And you get to see all the rice paddies and all these giant water buffalo. And you know not to get too close, but they will rush you. So. Avoid the water buffalo, but climb up, and you get to see this beautiful view, as you can see behind me. But the thing was, there was actually no official path. It was just mountain. The only clue that you're going the right direction is up. And sometimes you might accidentally go up this mountain thinking, yep, this is the right way, and then you realize, oh, I could have just walked around. This is just a tiny mountain. Why did I go this way? But you'd always get there, and it was a beautiful view. Now, the thing was, this one time, I was climbing down the mountain after a wonderful time. I was putting my headphones on, I was listening to some music, listening to this random, like, kind of spoken word uh, about Humpty Dumpty, and one of the lines was about, fall down in a foreign land. And what do you think happened? <laughs> I fell down. <laughs> there I go, tripping, rolling. And when I get up, I'm like, my heart is beating. I'm, like, fully panicked. I'm like... Because <laughs> this is like first time I'm living somewhere. I've got my, I don't have my phone on me or something. Or actually, no, this is before smartphones. So, like, this is, I didn't even have any way of contacting anyone. So, like, <laughs> the only way to contact was that I got an hour of com computer. Like, this is the time of these kind of computers, right? And for the whole YWAM base, there was three of them connected to Wi Fi. And so I had to make an international phone call um, every Saturday to contact my mom to see how I was doing. It was very, <laughs> this is the, these are the days before technology, right? No, but I'm coming down this mountain. I panicked, and I realized if I'd gone rolling a little longer or a little different direction, I could have kept on going. And I was panicked when I got up. I'm like, but when I looked, I was like, oh, I'm not actually that injured. So I go home, just sit down, I'm calming. I'm like, okay. 
So the reason I tell this story, why do I tell it? See, even this familiar journey I'd taken multiple times up and down this mountain. But the thing is, because there was no path, there was no one uh, who was saying, okay, this, this is a good way, this is the way to be safe, this is the best way to go up and down the mountain. Even on this familiar journey, things got dangerous. And so today I want to talk about how God has a clear path that he wants us to be walking on and how it's not just the destination that matters, but how we get there. Well, before we continue, let's pray. God, would you bless the words I'm about to share and use them to bring direction and clarity to all. And I pray that as we continue to live our lives with you, we wouldn't try to walk in our own understanding, but in everything and in every way, we submit ourselves to you. Amen. If you haven't already, this would be a good time to get out your church app with the notes on it or open your Bibles. We're going to be pre uh, looking at Proverbs 4, 10 to 27. And the message for today's sermon is titled, Get Wisdom. So there are two points that I want to bring out of today's passage. The first one is this, walk the straight path. And the second one is this, fix your eyes ahead. So our first point then all about walking that straight path. And we see this in the text from Proverbs 4, 11 to 12. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back, and when you run, you won't stumble. So you see, in our lives, we're constantly making decisions. Do I date this girl? Do I give my money to this homeless man? Where should I study? What should I study? Do I lie for my friend who's late for work and help him out of a situation? All these choices that we face, they lead us towards one path or the other. And God is calling us to walk the path of righteousness. In Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And I'll say this something is actually one of the special verses that when I graduated from um, my church's version of Flame senior into youth, this was one of two verses that was given to me, and I tell you, it has been such a good life verse to keep referring back to. Well, you know, it isn't always clear which path our actions will lead to. It says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. So we need God's wisdom to point the way. And the book of Proverbs is full of this cry, get wisdom. All this is to say, God, who is all-knowing and all-loving, has good works prepared in advance for us to do, as it says in Ephesians 2.10. And so this path it's talking about here is referencing these daily choices, as I said. Do we obey God and do what is right? Or do we follow the world and do what seems right? I mean, this is, in essence, the whole original sin, right? It was that choice to take the fruit. It's for them to decide for themselves what is right. But no, God is the one who has the ultimate understanding of what's right and wrong. And so we need to listen to him. And so I just want to speak to a moment, for a moment to our parents. How many parents in the audience? Yes. So this is for the parents. Proverbs 22, 6. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. And we see, I'm so glad that we have so many parents who uh, bring their kids uh, to church. 
who make the effort to get here on time and drop them off into SK, because that's where they're getting their specific uh, discipleship, and that encourages me so much. And I pray you continue to do that, to champion your youth, to encourage them to come uh, to Sunday, and when they get older, encouraging them to come to youth group, because that matters, that's so important. That is where they get their own discipleship. Yes, it's great to see them in Sunday service, and I'm glad to see youth coming here, but especially for SK, put them, let them come, let them get their discipleship amongst their own peers. That is exactly where they should be, and that is an incredible opportunity that they get that knowledge when they're younger and when they're older. Even when they make their own choices and they go through their teenage years and there's all this up and down, what is meaning of life? Should I really obey my parents? And all that, they remember what they learnt in Sunday school. And that is so key. And so parents, don't think your child is too young to understand about all these elements of the gospel or that it's for adulthood to learn the heart of God. It is for now. God calls the children to him. You remember in the Bible when Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And it says in Matthew 21, 16, from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you've called forth your praise. I know from my missionary experience, I've seen families who are willing to stay in missions. And that's an incredible, um, how to say, that, is, that needs to be the word of the Lord. But when it, does, when it does happen, my goodness, it is not just the parents who have God's called as a missionary. God's calling the family. And I've seen so many testimonies where the little five-year-olds or whatever, the younger kid, the youth, and they're praying and they're actually the ones who are brave and courageous who go up to a stranger and says, okay, I drew this picture this morning when I was praying for people and here it's for you. And it's exactly what they needed to hear. So even from youth and children, God is able to use them for his kingdom. They're not just the future generation, they are the now generation. God is able to use them now for his kingdom and for his glory. So parents, once again, I encourage you, share the word of God with your kids. Bring them to church, bring them to the community. So it's not just they see church as something my parents do, but something I can do and be part of. And so youth, let me speak specifically to you now. I want to encourage you. This message today is for you too. Get wisdom. As you guys grow up and you guys face the challenges, uh, maybe not all of you are familiar with prayer and actually letting God lead you in those small decisions. I encourage you, start now. Look for where there's opportunities in your life. You guys don't have all the answers. Your parents don't have all the answers, but God does. And so even in those small things where it's like, okay, um, who should I hang out with? How should I spend my free time? These are the questions God wants to bring answers to in your life right now. Whether it's what passage do I read in the Bible? How can I grow in faith? God wants to help you now. And so youth, God has direction for your life and he offers his help. This is a free gift. You don't need to go like um, saving up hundreds of dollars and travel halfway around the world on an expensive trip to meet a man in the mountains to find an answer. No, God has made himself available now for you. When you call on his name, he will answer. And it may not always be what you expect. Sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's just a not yet. But keep on praying, keep on pursuing, because God is after relationship. So this is what I want to challenge you all with. Firstly, do you recognize the need for God's wisdom? Do you see the benefit of helping you with his guidance? If you aren't sure if you really need God's wisdom, you have only to ask your elders or your leaders or your friends around here. I'm sure there are plenty who can tell story after story of how much they needed God's help. 
and how faithful God was to provide it. God is not some um, blank wall that you just knock and knock and knock on. I know sometimes it feels like our prayers bounce off the ceiling, but no, God hears and God responds. As Eleanor Roosevelt once said, learn from the mistakes of others. You cannot live long enough to make them all yourself. So listen to your friends and you're those who've gone before you. Pay them respect and as they show their stories, there's so much to learn from them. Uh, Secondly, related to this point, are you doing your due diligence and are you getting into the word of God? This is always something, you know, we say it again and again from the front, but the word of God is living and active. This is something so key, so vital. And if we're not reading it daily, it's like a man walking underground in a cave. He's got his torch on him. He's got plenty of batteries. There's no reason not to use it, but he's only turning it on. Okay, in the morning, great. And then closes uh, the torch off, puts it in his back pocket and tries to walk. This guy is going to trip and stumble and fall. But no, if you have the word of God, if you have like this torch, use it, keep it on. There is no need to turn it off. There's not enough to just be like, oh, yep, Sundays is good enough. That's all I need. And then the rest of my life, the rest of the week, I live for myself. No, we need God's word. The author of Psalms 119 says it like this in verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. This word is not just helpful for what's right in front of you. Yes, it's the daily bread, this like word that says, okay, this is useful for me right now. But this word is a lamp to my feet. It's, yes, and light for my path. That path ahead, remember, we're talking about that path. Sometimes you don't see the need for that food right now. But so like sometimes it's like, if the word of God is like the coffee in the morning, gives you the energy you need right now. But the food you eat throughout the day, the carbs, the uh, good, sh- good sugars, that's going to give you long-lasting energy. That's going to keep you going. You may not see the benefit of the word of God right now, but when you come back to it, Holy Spirit's going to remind you of the words you read 5, 10, 15 years ago, or a week ago, whatever, and God will help you remember, and that word will bring benefit later on. So I encourage you again, keep in the word. And like I've been saying, like it says in James 1.5, if you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. See, God is a generous God. God wants relationship. He's pursuing you. You know, it says, God, this is how we know first love what love is, because God first loved us, right? God's the one who actions first. So we are not having to stress, and every other religion, you know, it's all our action first, and then maybe the God will react. But no, God is the one who is waiting. He's like on the edge of his seat. It's like, when's my son? When's my daughter going to speak? Here's a word. Here's a word. But he's looking for that hard action. So again, it says in Isaiah 30, 21, your own ears will hear behind him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. So to remind you again, my first point is this. God is calling us to walk the straight path. Get wisdom and pursue it. My second point is this. Fix your eyes ahead. Now, where do we find this? Let's look at Proverbs again, back to our main text for today. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out the straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. This is like a horse when he's racing. You ever see the eye covers? 
and it's so that horse doesn't get distracted by the other horses, what's right and what's left. It makes the horse able to just see the goal and go for it. So this, we want, I want to encourage you guys to do in the spiritual world. Put those blinders on. When you're in worship, don't worry about left or right of you. Focus on God. When there's people tempting you and, or people saying, oh, we should do this, we should do that, and you know that's not right because you've been reading the word of God, you can put those blinders on and ignore what people are saying. When people are condemning you and making fun of you, you can ignore it all and keep your eyes on him. So what is the end goal of all this? Where does following God lead to? Turn with me to Philippians 3.14. Paul says he presses on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews 12.2 also writes, Jesus himself, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What do we see in common here? What is the goal that both Paul and Jesus are reaching for? Nothing less than relationship. And this is why Jesus died. Earlier in that same passage in Philippians, Paul writes this. Philippians 3, 8 to 9a. Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so I could gain Christ and become one with him. This is the incredible gift God has given us through Jesus. And as we approach Christmas, we're reminded one of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It's in the Old Testament, God visited, right? We see so many instances where angels or a spirit or something fills the person, but it's a temporary thing. But now, because of what Jesus has done, and when he ascended and the Holy Spirit came, he now makes his dwelling amongst us. We are the body, right? And he is the head. And so we have this community, but it's also that element of we are now the temple and Holy Spirit individually makes his home in us. Listen to what it says in 1 John 4.15. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. Like John talks about with the vine and the branches, we are connected. And so many people get stuck in this idea. You know, God is a taskmaster with a long list of do's and don'ts and he's like quick, just waiting to punish for when we fall short. And if we were, like, we we're some robots, there's like, oh, yep, ah, oh, broken. All right, discard it, next one. No, God is a God of love. In fact, it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, our prize for accepting Jesus, if you want to call it that, is not a ticket to heaven, not something we get when we die. No, God is making himself available to us now, for we are no longer slaves, but sons. So the marvel of Christianity is this transfer of status from a slave of sin to a child of God. Let's look at Romans 8.15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba. Father. See how amazing this is? It is not just a relationship with God, some like, okay, God's my like workmate or like he's a colleague, right? No, this is an intimate relationship with Father God and we get to be called his children. How incredible is that? Now, I don't know if any of you have experience with adoption. 
this idea. I'm most quite aware of what adoption can be like. I'll show you the next photo, and I'll actually introduce my family. I'm actually one of seven. I'm uh, the, one of the oldest of the original trilogy. <laughs> and then my parents kept on adopting kids. We actually moved to Hong Kong when I was about 11 years old, and that's where we adopted Caleb, who you see on the far left there, wonderful guy. And then we moved back to Australia and adopted Bethany. She's Chinese-born in Sydney. Uh, Bethany's over there in the second right. And then my, when I went to missions, my family moved back to Hong Kong again and adopted Abby in the cute little dress there. And then, just last year, my parents moved back to Australia about four or five years ago, and uh, just last year, we adopted Grace. So, I don't know if you're aware, um, it can cost around $2,000 to adopt locally, or anywhere from $7,000 to $40,000 to adopt internationally. And so whether that's you staying here and then the child coming from overseas or you visiting. So with everything combined, I don't know how my parents did it. It is truly a miracle because we, we were not rich. This is God moved into my parents' heart and said, guys, I want you to consider this. And through miracle after miracle, my parents said yes and yes again. And I wouldn't change it for a thing. Um, I remember most of these guys, I think we adopted when they were two years old or something, and our parents have also fostered about 17 kids over the years, most with special needs. Um, so yeah, just incredibly proud of my parents. And uh, um, it's surprising, I don't know if, if you, any parents in the room, you had your first kid, you're like, wow, I've got all this love. And then the second kid comes around, and you're like, I equally love my kids. Well. You know, you'd hope. <laughs> There's my, but no. And then the third comes along. But somehow, with my parents having seven kids, thankfully we all never lived at home at the same time. That would have been, whoo! <laughs> I think my parents are very glad we've never all lived at home at the same time. Having four teenagers, ooh. <laughs> but to all that to say, I'm so proud of my parents. And in this same way, God has chosen to adopt us. He's brought us from far away. Yes, we are made in the image of God. And so in some ways you could argue, oh, we're already children of God. But God made that choice. They said there was a cost to pay and God was willing to pay it. It wasn't something simple like, oh, I just got to raise 40 grand for each kid. I mean, if he did, that would just proves how rich God would need to be <laughs> to adopt all of us. But no, God sent his son and he paid that ultimate price by dying on the cross. And thank God that was only once that he had to do that, that he didn't have to do it again and again and again. So that gift that God gave when he did that is available to all of us today. And so God shows this for himself, that he loves each of us equally and deeply. And I could go on how the church is compared to a bride. And there are so many other metaphors used in the Bible, but we don't have time to go into them all. But the crux is this, as it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We are all so deeply loved. And this is the goal, a deep and meaningful relationship with God that we get to experience now. As John and Jesus and many others have said, the kingdom of heaven is here. This is what we were made for, relationship with our creator God. So how will you respond? 
Will you pursue that? Will you focus on the end? Will you speak? Will you listen? Will you fellowship? How can you pursue relationship with God this week? Look at your life. Where are you spending your time? And this is a word for me too, you know? I challenge you to think about it. Are you making time for God in the mornings? Are you coming regularly to church, to connect group? Is prayer a part of your daily routine? Again, are we reading the Bible? As it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, pray without ceasing. Like a wedding versus a marriage. I'm sure as we talked to the parents before, right? You've got that wedding, and you know, that was a beautiful time, but that's not all marriages, right? The wedding is a wonderful, stressful, glorious, fun event, but that's not what it's all about, right? And so in the same way, God is infinite. We have this amazing opportunity to get to know God. And that first moment when we accept Jesus, that's amazing. But how much more is the process of learning? We are holy and we are being made holy. We are sanctified and we keep being sanctified. We get to know God and we get to keep knowing God because God is infinite and we can always keep on learning more about Him. So to summarize my second point then, fix your eyes ahead. On Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, keep pursuing Him. Again, get wisdom and pursue it. Well, thank you very much, church. That is where I'm going to leave you guys today. Why don't we pray? God, just thank you so much that you care about us so much that you made uh, an effort to come and uh, make a way for us to meet with you. And so today we just want to recommit and say we don't want to be just living off um, our joyful experience and be like, okay, I'm saved. I'm just going to wait and do my own thing. And when I get to heaven, yay, I'll think about you again. No, you are calling us into relationship. And we want to respond to that invitation today. We want to respond and say our hearts are yours. We will go to you for wisdom. We'll not rely on our own understanding. We will keep our eyes fixed on you. And that will show that through our actions, through our community and our fellowship together. We will not forget that and leave that behind. We want to keep reading our Bibles. We want to keep on praying. Lord, we want to build that relationship with you and keep getting wisdom and pursuing it. Why don't we respond with this next song? I invite you to stand up. <laughs>